Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. That extremism in the defense of liberty is no vice. America needs individuals who not only recognize that righteousness exalts the nation, but see as a reproach to any people. Hello and welcome to Of God and Man, the show whose host is just as faithful to it as the Islamic extremists are to peace. <laughs> this is your host, Brom French. It is great. It is fantastic to get to be with you. If you want to reach me, you can reach me at 210-854-8029 or you can reach me at the letter B, the letter F, the at sign. B-R-A-H-M-F-R-E-N-C-H dot com. That is B-F at Bromfrench dot com. Somebody's got to be wondering, where has this show been? Where has our host been? He has been absent. Then again, that would mean that all three of my listeners were paying attention. <laughs> Let me explain to you where I've been. I have been somewhat out of reach of some of you. Um, I have been in the and no podcast for the last several days. The last podcast was the previous Monday. Now the reason is uh, driving back from Tennessee and uh, finally got back to Texas. Tuesday and uh, recovered Wednesday. Thursday, we started groundwork for an outreach program that we do here in the city of Seguin. So we did the outreach program, which was Friday or Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then today we did follow-up. And so we have been running around like chickens with our head cut off, but I think finally we're about ready to get back to civilization. Well, we can hope. <laughs> or back to a routine, I guess I should say. So, our NSA, our non-transvestite NSA operative, continues to keep me informed and sends me information on a regular daily basis, or so it seems. And so, he has sent me a link to a man by the name of Bill Riddle. Honestly, I've never heard of him before, don't know who he is, don't know the first thing about him. But I encourage you, if you want to know what the problem of America is, you need to check out Bill Whittle. He uh, spoke very clearly, very profoundly about the terror of the Islamic extremists and what they fear and what the moderate Muslims respect. Moderate Muslims respect strength and they are not seeing it from the West and they are especially not seeing it out of the United States of America. If we want peace, we will get peace when we prepare for war. Reagan was absolutely right. In time of peace, prepare for war. People respect strength. So anyway, Bill Whittle, I encourage you to go check him out. And thank you, our non-transvestite NSA operative, for keeping us informed. And so, Romney, if you have not caught this yet, more attacks happened since our last podcast on Monday. Monday, we were only following up. The previous, well, we've, we've had even more attacks. And they happened in an interesting place. I can't even remember how to pronounce the place, so I won't. But you can go back and find where there is a debate between presidential candidate Romney against presidential ca candidate Obama. And you're going to find that Romney 
in the debate mentions this particular place where I believe it was just this past Friday there was a uh, Islamic terrorist attack. And Romney says this area is being radicalized. We are going to have problems there. And then you saw as the media began to attack Romney and tell what kind of idiot he is and what kind of moron, what kind of buffoon would say and would think that this area, Mali or something like that, would be under attack. Come to find out, he was right. And again, the liberal agenda and those that would push for it were wrong. We can't help but see this over and over and over again. And so what should we do? First of all, we need to recognize there is a threat. And some that are posing this threat are coming from the same places. And thank you, Governor Abbott, and every other governor. Governor Abbott, if you don't know, is the governor of Texas. And every other governor that has st stood up and said, we do not want just anybody from the Middle East coming here. <laughs> not to our state. Now look, you know, California, New York, you all want to be bombed. Michigan, fine, have at it. But not us. As a matter of fact, I think it was Michigan governor was one of the ones that said, don't send them here. <laughs> I totally understand. This is utter nonsense, folks. It is stupidity to open our borders. It was bad enough when we had just illegals. But now we've got, we're wanting to open it up to so-called refugees, our military-aged men, the same ones that snuck into Germany, the same ones that snuck into France, one of them saying that they were from Syria, and then would be a terrorist that would kill innocent civilians. This is not what we bargained for. If you're a Democrat, surely this is not what you bargained for when you voted for this president. Surely this is not what you were expecting. Thank God that even Democrats recognize this and they stepped across the aisle and would give a resounding no to the president, maybe even enough for a veto. I guess we will see, or to stand up against a veto. I guess we will see when the time arises and when it comes. No doubt the way this administration plays and thinks, we will be seeing this. This will be very true. And if you also want to stop it, there are a few other things you need to do. Germany opened up their borders and they said they want 20 million, you heard right, 20 million foreigners by the year 2020. They said, why? Because our population is going in the wrong direction. We're not having enough kids. In Germany, one of the Islamic extremists said, we're going to take over because you are inviting us because you won't produce enough. You'll only have one or two kids. And that's just enough to keep the doors open. But we'll have seven and eight, and we'll outnumber you and take you over. Which is exactly what is going to happen and is in the process of happening now. So one of the ways that we can fight, oh, I know this sounds crazy, one of the ways we can fight extremist, radical, Islamic terrorists is to have kids, folks. Not just any kids, because they too can be radicalized but to have a Christian home for our children to be raised. A family, a nuclear family of a mother and a father that will take their children to church, to a church that will preach the truth of God's word. 
and put the respect of the Lord, the fear of the Lord, the respect of Almighty God inside of them. That's what we're going. That's what it's going to take to get back to the root. And then, of course, there is the immediate answer. Now, that's a long-term answer to have a bunch of kids and take them to church and teach them the word. That's the long-term answer. But what's the immediate answer to terrorism? It's simple, and I've stated it before. Arm the populace. Arm the people. If you don't have a concealed carry license in your state and they have it, I encourage you to do it. If you're lucky enough that you're able to live in a place like Arizona, where you can open carry or conceal carry and you need a license for neither, God bless you. I encourage you, do it. By all means, for God's sake, do it. I live in Texas. I'm doing what I have not done in a while, but now I'm, I'm finding that I've got all kinds of people listening. So I will go ahead and tell you what I'm doing. I'm going back and I'm getting my concealed carry. I've already signed up for it. My class is coming up. Now, those of you that know me know that that hasn't stopped me too much, hasn't prevented me too much. But uh, we're going to go back and we're going to do it legal. And we're going to make sure huh, that we're going to do our part to keep America safe. And the government can't do it all. Police show up too late. The crime's already committed by the time the police officers get there. That's exactly what happened in France. The police were too late. They always are. 911 cannot get to the scene of the crime while the crime is still underway. It never happens. The only way to stop it is an armed populace. So again, I tell you, if you do not carry and you are a law-abiding citizen, and by all rights, you have that right. I encourage you to do it. If you live in a state that does not allow it, even if you've got a clean record, don't be an idiot. Get out of the state. Move. Just ditch it and run. And go to a state that believes in the Second Amendment. And go to a state. Come to Texas. If you want to carry a gun, come to Texas. We, I, I, Please, I beg you. Don't go to Arizona. I want to go to Arizona, but don't you go to Arizona because we need more people that believe in the Second Amendment in Texas so that we can have open and closed carry without a permit. That's my personal take. Anyway, let me take a break, and when I come back, we will go through the Quran and look at that God-forsaken, awful doctrine. Hold on just a moment. Mr. Gorbachev, Tear down this wall. That extremism in the defense of liberty is no vice. America needs individuals who not only recognize that righteousness exalts as a nation, but sees the reproach to any people. And we are back real quick before we go through the Quran. I do want to share one story. You can find it on the Nanticoke Indian Tribe page. It is a well-known story. Possibly you have heard it before. I want to read it to you, and then we're going to talk about it for just a moment. It says this, One evening, an elderly Cherokee brave told his grandson about a battle that goes on inside people. He said, my son, the battle is between two wolves inside us all. One is evil. It is anger, envy, jealousy, sorrow, regret, greed, arrogance, self-pity, guilt, resentment, inferiority, lies, false pride, superiority, and ego. The other 
is good. It is joy, peace, love, hope, serenity, humility, kindness, benevolence, empathy, generosity, truth, compassion, and faith. The grandson thought about it for a minute and then asked his grandfather, which wolf wins? The old Cherokee simply replied, the one that you feed. Is this not so with each and every one of us? What you feed will grow, and what you starve will die. What you feed will grow, what you starve will die. It's important then that we feed the spirit man and starve that part of us, the flesh, that wants to forever gain control and have control over our lives. There it is, the sound of the car crash, the collision, if you will, the joining together of Christianity and Islam, or Chrislam, the joining together of Judaism and Islam, the joining together of sanity and Islam, none of which are possible. We're going through the Quran, we're going to see if by any chance the Quran might have that Allah might be the same God as Jehovah of the Torah or Old Testament, Jesus of the New. So far we have seen that this is not the case. We're going to read, we are in the second chapter called the cow. We're going to pick up at verse number 90 and go down to verse number 91. It's chapter 2, verse number 90 and verse 91. The Quran says this, How bad is it is that for which they have sold their own selves, that they should disbelieve in that which Allah has revealed, the Quran, grudging that Allah should reveal of his grace unto whom he will of his slaves. So they have drawn on themselves wrath upon wrath, and for the disbelievers there is disgracing torment. And when it is said to them, the Jews, believe in what Allah has sent down, they say, we believe in what was sent down to us, and they disbelieve in that which came after it, while it is the truth confirming what is with them. Say, Muhammad, peace be upon him, why then have you killed the prophets of Allah aforetime, if you indeed have been believers? So we're going to look back. We're going to pick up at verse number 90. Now remember, so far what we're seeing is chapter 2 is nothing but an attack on Judaism. Now chapter 1, it was saying that Jews and Christians are just like us. <laughs> and chapter 2 is saying exactly the opposite and telling them that it's okay because Jews really aren't uh, they're, they're, they're less people. Women don't matter. We're, we're seeing the, the groundwork. We're only in the second chapter, folks, and we've already seen the hatred. We've seen the bitterness, and we've seen this is a doctrine of devils. Verse number 90, how bad is it that for which they have sold their own selves? Speaking of Judaism, the Jews have sold themselves that they should disbelieve in which Allah has revealed the Quran. So now Jews have sold themselves because they have not picked up the Quran. They do not accept this lunatic named Muhammad and his false God. Grudging that Allah shall reveal of his grace unto whom he will of his slaves. And so <clears throat> here it's, it's making it clear. Yeah, you really, you really do respect the Jews, don't you? <laughs> yeah, right. So they have drawn 
on themselves, wrath upon wrath. So it's the Jews' fault because Muhammad writes a book. Now, Muhammad's not Jewish whatsoever. He writes a book that is contrary to Judaism. Remember, if you go back and look over and over again, this so-called Allah says, remember when we, and you go back through the Torah, go back through the Old Testament, and it's nowhere in there. It's nowhere in Scripture. So the Torah says, remember when you had the yellow cow? You can't even find the yellow cow anywhere in Scripture. It doesn't exist. Now, it's just one time, but over and over and over again, this has been the case. Remember when, and you don't find it anywhere in Scripture. And so, so they have drawn on themselves wrath upon wrath. Now, who's going? who are they going to receive the wrath from? From the hands of the Muslims. They do not receive the wrath from, quote-unquote, Allah, but they receive it from the hands of the Muslims. Because... Now, how many times, let's stop and think, how many Jewish attacks do we have? Now, I'm not talking about the nation of Israel defending its borders, but how many Jews are we afraid of coming over here because they're going to bomb innocent civilians? None. Absolutely none. If it happens, it's very, very, very rare, and it's, it's a guy that's off his rocker. It never happens, folks. But this tells us, according to them, wrath upon wrath, not from Allah alone, but Allah is going to use his quote-unquote servants, which is jihad. It's going to be the Muslims. They're going to kill them. And just in case you're Christian, you think you can get out of it because you're not Jewish or you're Buddhist or whatever else, they're coming for you too. Verse 91, And when it said to them, the Jews, Believe in what Allah has sent down. They say, we believe in what was sent down to us. In other words, we got the Torah. We got the word from Moses. We are going to believe Moses. We're going to believe the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And they disbelieve in which came down while it was truth confirming what was with them. <laughs> I love this. This is pretty funny. Because now it's saying they refuse to believe the Quran. Death to them. They refuse to believe the Quran. Instead, they're going to stick with the Torah even though the Quran is just added truth. You know what? Just let them live with the truth they've got. Wouldn't that just make more sense? But no, not for them. They want to kill them. Now, personally, I would love for any Jew, and I would love to sit down and go through the Bible, go through the New Testament with a Jewish person. I believe we can compare and they can see that Jesus is the Messiah. But in the Quran, there is no such thing. There is no way for Jews to have any hope in this. It's a doctrine of devils. There's no hope for anybody. There's no hope for the Muslim. That's why you've got suicide bombers. What is there to live for? And even in death, it's not even reality. Look at the so-called virgins. All right, let me continue. They disbelieve in which came down while it was truth confirming what was with them. So it's, apparently it's already confirming the Torah. Well, let them, if it's just confirming it, then let them stick with the Torah. Goodness sake. Say, O Muhammad, peace be upon him to them. Baloney. Muhammad, let him rot in hell. Why then have you killed the prophets of Allah aforetime, if you indeed have been believers? This is true. Jews did kill prophets of old. Scripture speaks of it. Even in the Old Testament, it speaks of them killing the prophets. Jesus talked about it. However, one of the prophets would not be considered Muhammad. He would not be one of the prophets, a false prophet, a false god, a doctrine of devils. 
Let me take a break. When I come back, we'll go through the Bible in a quadrillion years. Hold on just a second. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. That extremism in the defense of liberty is no vice. Americans need individuals who not only recognize that righteousness exalted the nation, but sins are reproach to any people. And we are back. And we're about to go through the Bible in a trillion years. We are in Genesis, Genesis chapter 41. We're going to pick up at verse number 36 and go down to verse number 41. Genesis chapter 41, verse number 36. The Bible says this, And that food shall be forestored to the land against the seven years of famine, which shall be in the land of Egypt, that the land perish not through the famine. And the thing was good in the eyes of Pharaoh and in the eyes of all his servants. And Pharaoh said unto his servants, Can we find such a one as this is, a man in whom the Spirit of God is? And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, Forasmuch as God hath showed thee all this, there is none so discreet and wise as thou art. Thou shalt be over my house, and according unto thy word shall all my people be ruled. Only in the throne will I be greater than thou. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, See, I have set thee over all the land of Egypt. <laughs> now this is crazy, because this is the same Joseph that had a dream. He had a dream that he was going to be exalted and the stars were going to bow down to him and the grain, the wheat, whatever it was, was going to bow down to him. That he was going to be elevated. And in his dream, by the sharing of his dream, his own father looked down on him and rebuked him. His brothers despised him and were going to kill him. They'd thrown him into the pit. Now they have sold him into slavery. He's in Egypt, and while he is in Egypt, things get worse. He's a slave in a home, and he is accused of rape. And so now he is thrown into prison, and he has been in prison for a while. Things have progressively gotten worse and worse. There are two with a vision, and he or a dream. He tells them the dream. He gives them the answers, and he says to the one, to the butler, when you get out, remember me. The butler gets out and immediately forgets him, and two full years transpire before he remembers and now he's remembered Joseph and he tells Pharaoh, there is a boy that can interpret your dream. Now what is God doing? What has this process brought? God has taken this Joseph, this dreamer, He's taken him from a pit, he's taken him from a prison, he's taken him from slavery, and now he is placing him not in that order, he's taken him from pit, he's taken him from slavery, he's taken from prison, and now he's putting him in a place of predominance, in a place of power, second only to the king, because he had a dream and he refused to let go. There is something powerful about this. Now, I'm not talking about just a dream that you have just because you ate pizza <laughs> the night before, but a dream that you have that comes from God above, that sometimes he will give you dreams. And if you'll hearken to the dream, if you'll hold on to the dream, 
You may not be where you are right now where he can elevate you for that dream. You may have to go to prison. You may have to be a slave. You may have to be thrown in a pit. And please, I don't necessarily mean literally in each of these, but maybe figuratively. But nonetheless, you've got to go through things as the Lord will elevate you to that place that he has destined you for. Now, you weren't prepared for it, Joseph, when you were bragging about it to your siblings. You weren't prepared for it when you're telling your father you weren't prepared for it then. The time will come when you're going to recognize the only one that can interpret dreams is God. And it's in your understanding of your relationship with God that the Lord will elevate you to these places. And he will allow the dream in your life to unfold. Sometimes the dreams in our lives have unfolded before or prematurely, if you will, before the right season. I thank God. Thank God my personal dreams did not unfold before I was prepared. And I'm not positive I'm prepared now, but no doubt I'm more prepared today than I was when I first had them. Wanted to be a preacher at two years old. Lifelong dream and goal to evangelize. Today I'm living my dream. I get to live my dream. But at two years old, I was not prepared to evangelize. <laughs> at four years old, at 16 years old, even at 20 years old, I was not prepared for the ministry that God had for me. I have seen some that because maybe who their parents were, because of circumstances in their life, they were placed into their dream too soon. Because they're placed in their dream too soon, they did not treasure what they had and they lost it. They did not treasure, did not wrap their arms around, did not have to struggle long enough to appreciate the dream that God gave them. Because of the struggles that now I have had to go through, that now I won't take for granted what God has given me. God truly has blessed me. I've been blessed enough to see miracles, been blessed enough to see people get the Holy Ghost, see people get baptized in the precious, beautiful name of Jesus, according to Acts 2, 8, 10, 19, Romans chapter 6. I've been privileged, and there are plenty more scriptures than that, but I've been privileged to see people get the Holy Ghost. I've been privileged to see God do crazy, amazing things, cancers disappearing, backs being straightened, diabetes being eliminated. I've been privileged to see all these things. But God had to allow me a time to grow into it because if he would have given it to me too soon, I would have thought it was because of my ability. Maybe it's because I'm a good preacher. Maybe it's because I'm talented. Maybe it's because of my own personal giftings. I can tell you beyond a shadow of a doubt, not beyond a reasonable doubt, but beyond a shadow of a doubt. The only reason I see any of the things I'm privileged to see is because of the God I serve. If he would have given it to me when I was 20, I would have thought it was because of something I had done or something I had said. But now I know because God's looked past my faults. He's looked past my failures. He's looked past all the times I disappointed him. The times I didn't measure up, the times that I bragged about myself. 
and said, I'm going to have to allow you to go through some things. I'm going to have to humble you. I'm going to take some things away from you. Oh, and when priests preach, we always talk about the goodness, but we don't talk about the heartache because sometimes it's embarrassing. We don't talk about the struggles. We don't talk about the times our marriages were in an upheaval and we didn't know whether or not it would survive. We don't talk about our children being laughed at and mocked or maybe wanting to walk away from the gospel. We don't share the things, the secret, private parts of our lives. But Joseph, it was those private parts, those secret parts of your lives that nobody else knows about. It was those very parts that God will make you and form you and shape you to be the man that God called you to be. Therefore, what we should do is embrace the process. I may not understand it. I may not understand the prison. I may not understand the pit. I may not understand the slavery. But I'm going to embrace the process because God's given me a dream. And I know if I hold on to it long enough, he's going to bring it to pass. Even in the middle of my prison. As a matter of fact, he was just one step away. When he was in the prison, the lowest part of his life, it's always the darkest before the dawn. The lowest part of his life was just before he would be elevated to be second only to the king. So in our lives, some of the lowest parts where we think it's the worst, we're closest to the Lord than we've ever been. Remember that the Lord worked from the evening to the morning. He doesn't look at things the way you and I do, but when you're sleeping and you think it's over and you want to give up, he's just starting to work. He's just beginning to fulfill what he has spoken into your life. Hold on. He will bring it to pass. I've run out of time. We'll talk to you later.